Hello, I'm Hilary McClure, Vice President of Multimedia Productions at Cybercrime Magazine. Welcome to Talking Cyber, a cybercrime radio segment where we discuss the latest news and breaking stories of the cyber economy, hackers, intrusions, privacy, security, and much more. Sponsored by Simcor. SimCore develops innovative, next-generation file integrity monitoring software. The SimTrack Integrity Suite monitors and protects a wide range of physical, network, cloud, and virtual IT assets in real time while providing detailed forensic information about all changes. Securing your infrastructure with SimTrack helps you get compliant and stay that way. You can find out more about SimCore and SimTrack on the web at simcore.com SimTrack. Joining us today is Heather Engel, Managing Partner of Strategic Cyber Partners. Heather, welcome. So great to be speaking with you today. Hi, Hillary. Thanks for having me. So Heather, the Register published an article in the fall about the cost of a health insurance security breach. In that week that the article was published, $4.5 million had been extracted from Vision Insurance Company IMED, who's owned by Luxottica of America. And the breach dated back to 2020 and was likely, what they're saying, the result of one of IMED's employees falling for a fish. So with that, do you want to just tell us more about this story and what you know, and then we'll get into some more specifics after that? Sure. This story published in the Register focuses on a New York State regulatory requirement. And so what we're talking about here is Part 500 of Title 23 of the Official Compilation of Codes, Rules, and Regulations. And this is known as 23NYCRR 500. And this is a regulation that New York State published that's been in effect since 2017. It specifically focuses on cybersecurity and cybersecurity programs for what they define as covered entities that operate under a license in New York in banking, insurance, or financial services. And so this is a pretty wide ranging regulation. It pulls in a lot of industries that you know you might not think of. Financial services especially is pretty broad. This story specifically, talking about IMED, they fall under the insurance definition of a covered entity. So the 23 Code Rules and Regulations 500 requires a cybersecurity program that lays out specific core cybersecurity functions. And those functions include multi-factor authentication. You have to have a defensive infrastructure. You need to have detection mechanisms so that you have a way of identifying when your infrastructure might be under attack or looking for unusual indicators. You have to have a set of policies that's pretty robust. You have to designate a chief information security officer or responsible person. You have to conduct an annual penetration test, among other things. And so... The story in the register talks a little bit about IMED's failings as far as how this breach happened and talks a little bit about the fines that were levied upon them. So $4.5 million, you know, to put that in perspective, their parent company, Luxottica, has annual revenues exceeding $500 million. So in the grand scheme of things, you know, the fine isn't too big compared to the revenue, but it definitely shows us that New York State is taking this seriously. You can actually go on the Department of Financial Services website and you can read the New York State published order that finds and lists out all the sections of the regulation that were violated. What I'm thinking next is two years later, why is this still a story for IMED? And what does that, I guess, say about health insurance security as well? Yeah, for a couple of reasons. So 
the DFS has proposed a new class of entities and more detailed regulations. So they're going to amend this regulation and that publication is actually out for review now. So that's one of the reasons that I think this is still a story. You know, the other reason is it takes a little while sometimes to settle things like this. And the fact that, you know, New York State published this order where they actually listed out all the sections of the regulation that were violated. They listed seven sections of the reg, including a failure to maintain a cybersecurity program, a failure to conduct a risk assessment, failure to limit privileges. They did not implement multi-factor authentication. And they also weren't properly disposing of non-public information. So one of the things that is a failing very often, I see this with a lot of clients, we want to put strong data retention and data disposal policies in place. Because if you don't need that information, if it's not actively being used, you don't have to blow it away completely, but it's better to not keep it online so that if you do have a breach like this, it limits the impact. SimCor develops innovative, next-generation file integrity monitoring software. The SimTrack Integrity Suite monitors and protects a wide range of physical, network, cloud, and virtual IT assets in real time, while providing detailed forensic information about all changes. Securing your infrastructure with SimTrack helps you get compliant and stay that way. You can find out more about SimCore and SimTrack on the web at simcore.com simtrack. That's C-I-M-C-O-R dot com slash C-I-M-T-R-A-K. Okay, and so IMED stated in, in something they put forward that they failed to roll out MFA across their entire email environment. And do you think that alone was to blame here? Or do you think there was more going on than just the lack of MFA? No, absolutely not. I mean, the article talks about and the New York published order talks about they had, I think, nine employees that were sharing one account, which means there were nine people who had a generic username and a password that they all knew. And so one of the things that is a very basic tenet of cybersecurity is that you don't share accounts. Number one, we know that a secret's not a secret if it's shared by more than one person, right? It's no longer a secret. And so you, here you have a, a secret password that is shared by nine people. And that violates what we call in cybersecurity the principle of non-repudiation. We can't be sure who fell for the fish. We can't actually say and trace that breach back to a specific employee or a specific cause other than to say it was this specific account. We don't know who actually might have fallen for the fish. So that's one of the failings. But you're not going to be able to have multi-factor authentication typically when you have shared email accounts like that. But the finding that there were seven sections of the regulation that were violated, including maintaining a cybersecurity program, I think that's a big one, right? The failure to conduct a risk assessment, because if they had conducted a risk assessment, they would have identified the shared account and the lack of MFA as a risk, and especially the disposal of non-public information. You know, if you don't need to keep something actively online or in a database, you can archive it and take it offline, and then you limit the size of a breach. So there were a lot of different things that were cause for failure here. I suspected that, but <laughs> I'm glad. <Yeah. laughs> it's good to, to hear that from you. It's almost um, never just one thing. Yeah. You know, if, if you've got one failing, 
especially a big one like multi-factor authentication. Like I said, this code has been in effect since 2017, and this breach happened in you know 2019, 2020. So they had had a full two years to work through this regulation and to start to comply with it. I'll be the first person to tell you that regulatory compliance doesn't always equal security, right? There's a difference between checking boxes for a regulation and actually implementing a robust security program. But in this case, I don't think they were really doing either based on the research that I did. And so I guess with that, is this an overall trend with health insurers and the breaches they experience, what you just shared and anything more you'd want to share? Sure. Obviously, I can't speak to what other health insurers are doing, right? We have a lot of information about this breach because of that published order. But I think one of the trends that we see a lot, not just with health insurers, but in general, is very often when a data breach happens, there's far more information that has been exposed than necessarily needs to be. You know, there was another breach of a major health insurer several years ago, and I was part of that breach. It had been my insurance company 15 years ago, but my information was exposed in that breach. And so the question, you know, that I asked is, well, why was my information still in an active database anyway? Why wasn't that archived and taken offline? What did that data retention and disposal policy look like? So I think there's definitely a trend there with that. You know, obviously, we can't speak to the technology and things that are in place with other health insurance companies and the breaches they experience. But I think the disposal of non-public information and limiting the exposure is definitely a trend. Yeah, for sure. And I guess with that, my last question for you to build on what you just shared would be, you know, what more can be done to harden health insurers, especially since they are tasked with protecting some of our most sensitive information? This regulation that New York State has, I think, is a really good foundational cybersecurity document. I mean, it's very comprehensive. I've worked with it with various clients for almost since it came out in 2017, 2018. Overall, maintaining a strong cybersecurity program, making sure that you have someone in the organization who's tasked with this is always something that you can do to harden your security. Like I said, compliance doesn't always equal strong security, but you get to a point where you say, okay, we've met our compliance regulations. Now let's look at actually continuing to reduce our risk. And I think the size and the scope and the depth of some of these different insurance companies, you know, maybe they have different types of programs. And so there's a lot there that you can do, but, you know, it depends on the maturity of your program. So some of the bigger health insurance companies, you know, may be more secure versus a company like IMED, which is very specific, right? It's very specific to vision versus an overall health insurance company. It's hard to say. Definitely hard to say, but as always, I think you put everything into perspective really well and took us through it really thoroughly, as thorough as we can be with what we know. So right, right. excellent. Well, Heather, thank you so much for joining us. And I'm looking forward to our next conversation, of course. And yeah, it's just fun to kick off this new season of data security with you. So thank you. Thank you. I'm Hillary McClure, Vice President of Multimedia Productions at Cybercrime Magazine. To hear our other podcasts and to watch our videos, visit us at cybercrimemagazine.com. SimCore develops innovative, next-generation file integrity monitoring software. The SimTrack Integrity Suite monitors and protects a wide range of physical, network, cloud, and virtual IT assets in real time, while providing detailed forensic information about all changes. 
Securing your infrastructure with SimTrack helps you get compliant and stay that way. You can find out more about SimCore and SimTrack on the web at simcore.com slash simtrack. That's C-I-M-C-O-R dot com slash C-I-M-T-R-A-K. 